Welcome to the January episode of the Red Sky Fuel for Thought podcast. I'm Ellen Mallerney. I'll be your host. I'm also the vice president of content here at Red Havas. And this conversation will be an especially fun one because we're talking about our annual predictions report, which we've just released. At the start of 2020, the idea of a worldwide pandemic that would require a massive pivot seemed unthinkable as did the idea that we'd still be talking and living through unprecedented times in 2023. The last three years have been as sobering as they've been defining for all of us, personally and professionally. And as communicators, it proved how important it is for us to be prepared to flex with the times, as they say. On today's episode, we'll be talking about how our 2022 predictions played out and a few of our predictions for 2023. Joining me for this discussion are Leslie Silliman, Executive Vice President here at Red Havas, and Tom Norquist, who is Senior Vice President of Corporate Innovation at PlayCore, which creates inclusive recreation spaces so people of all ages, abilities, and interests can gather. Welcome, Leslie and Tom. Thank you, Ellen. Hey, thank you. So we're going to start today with a look back to our predictions for 2022 published almost one year ago to the day and how those predictions played out. I think that we would all agree that 2022 was another year of twists and turns. It's no wonder that when we ask communicators around the world to describe 2022 in one word for our word of the year exercise, they picked the word resilience. Because wow, it's a wild time to be alive. Granted, I've only been on this earth for 40 years, so maybe it's just always been a wild time to be alive. But when we pick up our phones, which we do constantly, we're confronted by headlines about new variants of the coronavirus, about the war and Ukraine, and the landmark ruling by the U.S. Supreme Court on abortion rights. Plus, we've seen disappointing outcomes for the environment and climate from COP27 to many ongoing issues related to equity and inclusion, and the list goes on. So against that rather depressing backdrop, Leslie. Uh, how accurate was our future gazing? Break it down for us. Sounds good. Thanks, Ellen. Well, first I'll say what a privilege it is to be a part of this conversation. It, it mirrors conversations Tom and I have had often over the almost 17 years we've been working together. We, we talk about trends like this all the time in life and in the world and for communicators. So it's great to be able to, to share our thoughts together with you. And um, moving to your question, it's also, a, I've had the privilege of working on these trends reports for the last couple of years, predictions, uh, I should say, for Red Havas. So I think it's really great that we do hold ourselves accountable. Like you said, how could we have predicted the past couple of years? So even the fact that we're doing predictions reports in this day and age is, is interesting in and of itself. But it's great to have a look back and see how things have evolved throughout the year and I'd have to say, I think we've done a pretty good job, um, despite not really having any idea how 2022 would play out. In terms of a grade, I think I, I'm giving us sort of that B plus A minus territory. A couple of things stood out to me in particular, and I think one of the things that stands out when you're grading yourself is looking at the way these trends are evolving. And so you'll see some of our trends evolving when we get to talk about 2023. Um, in particular, things about predictions around corporate purpose and ESG, we're still going to be talking about that this year, but we really saw, you know, companies really continue to recognize their employees and customers are holding them accountable for staying true to purpose, and they want to see real action beyond words. And so 
we keep talking also about the the S in ESG, about the societal impact and that positive change that is really a key driver of organizational success now. On kind of a, a totally different take, we've also seen some of the cultural and social media trends that we predicted come true. I can say personally, in my own life, I can't tell you how many times I have purchased a product that I was uh, served up on TikTok or have seen on TikTok over the past year, everything from foundation to household cleaners to products that I can say have truly changed my life forever. And so I only see that as continuing to grow stronger. I think the one trend, and, and I'll turn it over to Tom after this for his take, I think the one trend that I, is still, still kind of evolving and fully yet to realize is just the way retail is going to take control of the hybrid marketplace. We'll talk a little bit more about the hybrid marketplace when we talk about 2023, but this is a place that I think we're seeing some outstanding examples and we're also seeing some struggles in the way that retail is able to give customers the experience they're looking for as we've evolved. So Tom, you've been an avid follower of our annual predictions. Thank you for that. Now I want to put you on the spot. What grade would you give our 2022 predictions? Thanks, Ellen. We're very, very grateful, Playcor, to get this wonderful information every year from Red Havas and see how we can analyze it, use it in our different businesses. And I, I would give you, you know, a strong, solid A, and I have for the last uh, decade. And, and the number one, you know, right off the bat was corporate purpose. You know, in all of our businesses, you know, we've been working very, very hard at making sure our employees are stakeholders and are very, very engaged in what they're doing. And that's a that's a communication skill set that we, you know, we take what you've coached us on through your report and, and really taking it to heart. And, you know, in each of our businesses, it's it's what is that employee doing to add value within that business and to society? And how do you balance that? Uh, I, I would say that really, really getting down deep with our personnel and personalizing, uh, you know, that was one of your great predictions last year. And we spent a tremendous amount of time on employee education, on uh, skip level meetings, monthly one-on-ones, timely reviews to where the review was something they knew was they already knew, okay? Because we have been really, really improved our, our skill set based on that prediction. And, and we continue that. I agree with Leslie 100% about societal impact, just the service aspect of our business and building clean, safe parks and recreation spaces for communities. Oh my gosh, during the pandemic, it was like, wow, everybody wanted, once Once we knew that it was okay to be outside and to be together, and it was like, oh my goodness gracious, everybody took their, their local park was like the place they wanted to go. It was safe. And and so and we happen to be in that business, uh, and then social media. I I would agree with what Leslie said. I, I'm guilty of it too. Amazing how uh, you know I'll get something over social media, and it's like I mash the you know the pay button, and I, and all of a sudden two days later it arrives, and you're like, oh my gosh! And sometimes you get a win, sometimes I'm not so much. <laughs> but I give you guys a solid A. I also did a lot of online shopping during the pandemic. I'm not ashamed to say we had to get our pleasures where we could find them. But let's turn the page on 2022 and talk about our predictions for the communications landscape in 2023. Leslie, can you give us a top line recap of what our 2023 predictions covered? Yes, absolutely. And it, you know, it's great to hear from Tom and others how they have seen our predictions 
come true and also how they've kind of recognized and used some of the lessons learned that we've we've cultivated in their business. So so moving on, I mean, first, I also wanted to to take a step back and just tell you a little bit about how we gather our trends. And it's genuinely one of the most fun projects that I get to work on each year because we do take a step back and we're allowed to look at the bigger picture and think about things we've learned from our clients like Tom, our partners, our friends, our colleagues, um, you know, our global colleagues. And and then we do rigorous, um, you know, research of them in academia and in the, the, the traditional and popular media to really see how we can actualize these into trends. And we hash it out. I mean, we start with probably 20, sometimes 25, you know, mini trends or thoughts or ideas, if you will. And then we get together in, in brainstorming and ideation sessions and talk through them. And, you know, they they are spirited sessions where we all kind of come with our, our thoughts and our backup and really have that genuine discussion about what what we can actually see as a true trend going forward versus something that maybe is just an observation still true but doesn't meet the threshold of being a trend and some of them of course are very related and that always feels good to us when we've come up with some things that um you know can come together as a trend so we call it down into our our list that is usually around 10 trends and make sure that we vet it globally and we have global voices as a part of of this entire conversation. So it really um, starts organically in that way to make sure that we hold ourselves to the highest standards when we're putting these together. The key commonality that we're looking for when we do build a trend is that it's relevant to brands and communicators, especially. So we could look at trends in all different types of areas, but we're really honing in because of our business on what communicators can learn from these trends. Um, so with that backdrop, a couple of things, I mean, we we covered a pretty broad landscape this year. Some were related to trends that we uh, talked about last year, and some were brand new. So looking at cultural and political issues like the political landscape, especially here in the United States surrounding Roe versus Wade, you mentioned this at the at the outset, Ellen. We also talked a little bit about the metaverse. So this was a pretty new place for us to be playing, both as an agency and as a part of our trends looking specifically at misinformation and you know trends that are happening in the metaverse both in healthcare and kind of in the in the broader political and socio-political landscape we've continued to talk about corporate purpose and about the way that is evolving for brands and what value brands are bringing to their customers and to their employees as tom mentioned we've talked about the cli climate change we've talked about uh the digital divide and how that's playing out in the world of social media mental health, which I think is a really important one that we've seen, you know, we've talked about since the pandemic has started, but we've really seen significant changes there. And then we've talked quite a bit about hybrid living and working as well. So covered quite a bit of landscape. Tom, as you read through our predictions, what jumped out at you and why? Well, I'll, I'll tell you, the hybrid work and living is just incredible. And we're investing tremendous amounts of time, energy, and money into making our workspaces uh, work now as as a hybrid workspace where you know where it works with that employee. Obviously, in manufacturing, you have to be there, but you know your marketing, your sales, your customer service, your design. I mean, we can have designers living just about anywhere, and so we've really had to adapt and retool our office environments. And we have uh, ongoing efforts at all of our facilities 
uh, to to make them better uh, working spaces to meet you know that employees needs too. This this hybrid idea is a two in three out that kind of a thing or three in two out and people sharing the same workspace. It's it's wonderful actually, and we're creating more of a coffee shop kind of environment for our employees to work in versus you know just cubicles and it's just been really really good. Uh, I'm I'm excited about that and and uh, this climate change. Uh, or changed. <laughs> I love that. It's awesome. You know, our, our Darrow uh, bike rack company, you know, alternative transportation, we're spending lots of time working on bike room efficiency and in, in, in housing and e-bike charging stations for new modes of transportation. We're spending a tremendous amount of time on, on upgrading parks, helping customers upgrade parks. Um, and, and then, you know, because people want to now use their parks and it's, you know, it's, it's more efficient. It's, it's, less harmful on the climate and everything. But then in office buildings and the site amenities going outside for working meetings, walking meetings, and the amenities to facilitate that, oh my gosh, you guys are right on the money with this one. And then the brand value and the trusted brand messaging, it's our customers want to work with us because they trust us. And they want us to take on more of those pain points that they have in when they're trying to execute you know, putting in maybe a farmer's market kind of a building or, you know, putting in some type of a maybe a playground. They want us, can you do the whole thing turnkey? We just don't want to have to deal with all the issues around it. So, I mean, I think you guys, I mean, Red Havas is just right on the money with these predictions. I mean, I'm super excited about using these predictions and helping our business and helping other businesses and our clients and sharing them with other folks in the industry. This is just fantastic. You're right on the money. You know, I want to build on something you said, Tom, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on this too, because um, I think it actually sort of brings two of our trends together. But I happen to be, I won't brag, but I was the author of one of the trends and it was the um, hybrid quandary. Ellen made it better, of course. But one of the things that I found really interesting about this trend as I looked into it more, and and the reason I started you know, with this trend was one of my roles here at Red Havas is to serve as a lead of a geography, one of our physical geographies um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And so as part of that role, I've thought quite a bit about how to create a work environment that is flexible and comfortable for people who, you know, want and find value in spending time in the office when they're here. And so it's certainly something I've thought quite a bit about. But in this trend, we also took a look at kind of the flip side of that, which is that naturally, if you are creating a hybrid workplace where you do kind of part of your work at home or somewhere else, and then part of your work in the office. The side that we talk so often about is the office, but it has a real impact at home as well, because your home has become an office at this point as well. And so that can have impacts on your mental health. And it also can have impacts on design and the way you create your space. And certainly if you're someone that has uh, multiple people working at home, maybe your spouse is working at home as well, We've had to make major adjustments in the way we create a home space that still feels like a home and doesn't kind of have that same mental impact that sometimes an office can. Tom mentioned walking meetings. I think people do that both when they're at the office now and at home and finding, you know, times to take breaks, to take exercise breaks or mental health breaks. And, you know, people can do work in other places as well. I know Ellen often does work as a writer in a coffee shop. And so places like that, retail spaces and, you know, hospitality, the hospitality industry, I think has gotten really good or or in some cases has gotten really good at creating spaces 
that can be comfortable for kind of their original intention, which is to serve as um, a place where people come together and gather, but also somewhere that people can work. And so it's been interesting to see both sides of the hybrid quandary, both the way we've made adaptations at our physical location and then the way that we've tried to protect our mental health while we're in a place that, you know, traditionally functioned as our kind of refuge. And I don't know if you have any further thoughts to build on that, Tom. Leslie, these are really, really good points. And we're encouraging our employees to create their own office spaces within their own homes. And we've we've been buying you know equipment to help facilitate that, to help make it easier for them. And I think it's really, really important that if you're going to work from home, you do need to be comfortable in in that workspace. And you know, I, I've created my like garage mahal workspace where I can stand and I can you know do whatever. And you know, having really good Wi-Fi is very, very important. Uh, and I think you're gonna like your trend says. I think that is going to continue. But you know, I, I think it's just it's not just the space itself, but it's also the practice. And this applies to both the office and at home. You know, after 50 minutes of sitting, you better get up. You got to do something. Take a call and walk while you're on that call. Those types of things are going to keep you much healthier, sharper, and much, much more into what you're doing. You're going to feel better about it. You're going to go, wow, I just had a meeting and I walked like three miles. That was incredible. Stuff like that is just, it's the future. And we've got to continue promoting that with all the folks that we work with um, so we can be better and get smarter. Totally agree. And just the final thought too on the, because we we kind of bridged it over to the mental health piece is I thought that was such a, an interesting trend as well that a couple of my colleagues have called out. We've been talking about mental health since the beginning of the pandemic and certainly before that, but in a, in a much increased way. But I think one of the lasting impacts of the pandemic that I think is positive is this increased focus on flexing that muscle, on really working hard to take care of your mental health and I did think it was pretty provocative that our trend predicted that we may see mental health education in schools, just like we see physical health education in schools at this point. And I know that's a topic that you're really passionate about, Tom, about that melding together of the physical and mental health of kids and, and of adults alike. Oh, Leslie, thank you. I'm so grateful that you brought up the whole mental health and how we can be better at mental health, uh, how we can better ourselves, our society, our communities. And one of the things about that is, you know, how play plays such an important role in that. And play can play an important role in your work. Now, some people might say, you know, what's the opposite of play? Work. Well, no, that's not necessarily true. What the opposite of play is, is depression. We need to play more. So if we can acknowledge the fact that we need to be doing things that are good for ourselves mentally and socially, then please do things that are fun and playful and have purpose. You can do that. I mean, little little meetups, little, little getting together and, hey, let's talk about an issue. Let's work together on it. You know, do that in a positive way. The walking meeting thing is just fantastic, but also meeting at a coffee shop is a great idea because people love to get coffee or tea or water, whatever, but just changing that environment a little bit, doing things like don't get yourself stuck for two to three hours in a work session, break it up into three one hour sessions with some five to 10 minute healthy breaks in there. Do something good for yourself. I mean, I've actually jogged in place in a hotel room just so I can feel better. And it's amazing how 
your body reacts to that and stimulates your mind and how much your cognition is so much better when you are active and playful. And I mean, we need to sleep, we need to eat, we need to move and we need to play and do that in your work as well. Absolutely. And and personally, you know, as the parent of two adolescent age children, I love that we are raising them kind of flexing this muscle as well and teaching them those lessons. I hope we all are teaching them those lessons about just what you said, kind of the base needs that they really need to be not just successful, but healthy and productive and feel good, you know, feel good about themselves in their lives. As humans, we really need to be a part of something. And if your company is giving you that purpose and helping you feel good about your work and the cause and what good you're doing and adding to society. And when you're feeling better and you're feeling better collectively, that's that's just exactly where you want to work. That's where I want to work. Yeah, it's been it's really neat, as you've pointed out, Leslie, to see how some of these predictions intersect. And I'm really seeing the mental fitness prediction intersecting with our brand values increase in value prediction, which is about purpose. Tom, you mentioned uh, earlier in the conversation that one of the ways that PlayCore has dug into its purpose is to get deep with your personnel through employee education and monthly one-on-ones. And I I can't help but think that that would do a lot for people's mental health, just to have vulnerable conversations with their colleagues every month. And I'm wondering, what are some other things that brands can do in 2023, besides engaging more intimately with their employees in conversation? What are some things we can do to be sure that our pledges are aligning with real progress? I'll jump in here. I think voice of customer work is like paramount and listening to what our customers are telling us and then sculpting and molding our what our work is and, and our services and our products to meet those ever-changing needs in the marketplace. With the pandemic, it, you know, things changed overnight and some companies reacted quickly and some companies kind of stood back and watched. The ones that reacted quickly to this are having fantastic years. They're having great business right now because they're listening very, very intently to that voice of customer. And, and we really are working hard at PlayCore and, and getting better at that. It's not something that's real easy to do. Getting deep down into the trenches with your customer and feeling, empathizing with what's not going well for them and then creating ways to ease that pain. I mean, that's that's where it's at. I agree. I mean, Tom, you just said something that, you know, I was thinking as you were talking, this is hard work. It's hard work to do. We know there's a whole podcast called We Can Do Hard Things. I mean, it's hard work to dig in. And we've seen brands certainly make missteps along the way. But I think one of the things that has come through in the trends is that, you know, digging in, doing that work, whether or not you have to to pivot, we use that word at the beginning. It's okay. We can we can all pivot as brands, as individuals, as communicators. But if the data and the work is being done, you'll you'll get to the right direction. And it speaks to a couple of our other trends that focus on trust and on misinformation. And all to say, it's going to be even more important because not that I want to take any sort of a negative turn, but we've seen ways where information is being manipulated. We've seen places where brands don't build that trust with their customers and with their employees and what it does kind of to the long-term health of the brand. So 
it's going to be even more important in the future that brands really, really understand the core values of their customers and their employees, the core values of who they are as a brand, what's authentic to them, and then learn how to communicate effectively. You know, and this is something we talk about quite a bit at Red Havas about communicating in a fashion that is P2P, which is what we call person to person, you know, understanding the way that your key audiences take in information, where they're getting it, the way they're receiving it, and then really tailor your communication vehicles to that end. So Leslie, you alluded to our misinformation prediction. It's called viral healthcare misinformation exposed. There are obviously now a lot of highly unqualified and highly unregulated voices with very big platforms. Uh, Last year, the FDA commissioner was even quoted saying, misinformation is now our leading cause of death. Needless to say, improving individual health literacy and equity is going to be a big focus this year. Uh, What role do you think communicators can play in disrupting the viral nature of misinformation in 2023? I mean, thanks, Ellen. What a great question and what a a scary but very interesting trend. I mean, that quote is terrifying and I I read it too. And it it certainly, um, you know, gave me some pause. And I can see this. I can see where this is happening because as I mentioned at, at the beginning when I was talking about our 2022 trends, I've bought products that were recommended to me on social media by a a TikTok influencer. And I have two children who are looking at TikTok every day. And then we, you know, all are aware of kind of some of the, you know, crazy, silly things that came out of TikTok. There was the NyQuil chicken cure that is dangerous and obviously incredibly unhealthy. So it's very important that we find credible voices in communication that are Um, trustworthy, that are able to give us the information that science has validated, that research has validated, and that those voices aren't being drowned out by influencers, so to speak, who don't have any sort of credibility or education or scientific background. So to your question about how how brands can be a part of this, I mean, I do think we've seen brands have to step up and brands who are already trustworthy with their audiences They've had to step up and sometimes speak out in areas that um, they haven't previously had to speak out in because they do have a voice and they do have some credibility. So stepping away sometimes from influencers who might be promoting unhealthy or untrue information is, is a really important thing as well that brands can do to help and also making sure they validate you know, those, those important scientifically backed uh, credible voices is going to be very key to disrupting that viral nature of the way information spreads. So we've talked a lot today about how it's not just important to talk to our employees and consumers, but to really listen to them. And that really means all of our customers. Another of our predictions covered how a large and significant portion of the population may get left behind if we don't address this digital divide that is forming. And it was really made worse by the pandemic because everything became digitized overnight, which many of us take that for granted because we just pull out our phone and we scan the QR codes or we use our laptops to access telehealth appointments. Um, But not everyone can do that. That's the reality. So to encourage and provide access for all, that's going to be a big focus in this coming year. What are some ways that we as communicators can combat digital exclusion? If we're thinking about this trend surrounding the digital divide, and I think this is really interesting because I have 
you know, older parents and, you know, some, my dad is more technologically advanced than I could ever be. So he's got it all figured out, but take him out of the equation. And I don't think my mother, I hope she doesn't listen to this, could find, could order in a restaurant if she doesn't have a paper menu. So, you know, I, I'm looking at even a divide within my own parents and seeing how different their lives would be or things like going to a, a sporting event and having the tickets on your phone and things like that. I mean, an airplane, all of that. I mean, we're, we just watch everybody. I was traveling yesterday and just watch everybody scan their ticket as they get on the airplane. But that isn't so, you know, so common nature to everyone. And um, where I'll bring it back to you, Tom, is I think what's interesting about that, though, is how do brands find a way to design universally, which is a, a topic that you're, you know, leading the charge on, Tom, so that you're not creating different experiences for people that have different levels of technological ability, but you're creating a singular experience that anyone can have the same kind of feelings around whether or not they access it via um, advanced technology or whether they access it kind of the, you know, in in the, a more traditional way. And I know, Tom, not necessarily related to technology, but you've you've done a lot of research and work in the space of universal design. And I think some of those lessons could be applied here. Universal design leads to inclusive design, which is equitable for all. And I think some of those lessons are, you know, how do we make things easy? How do we take, tear down and break away barriers? How do we get people included? And there may be ways to do that through technology portals and signage and things like that are more universal where you don't have to have a device. Okay. And so we, I, I kind of look towards society embracing taking things that were static and making them more dynamic using technology. And you're seeing those interfaces if you're blessed enough to go to some of our theme parks and you see that technology because they go through that space and experience. And I see that pushing back out into the general public. And so I think that's already starting to happen. And now we'll see how the we see that happen with, with technology like we have in our hand that is you know the most powerful computer I've ever owned. I want to ask if there's anything that our predictions maybe didn't cover that you guys are going to be tracking this year. I think that your mental fitness muscle prediction is opening up a really, really large area uh, of opportunity um, for future work. And I, I think that, that we'll see that equitable opportunity for all of our society to be involved in some just basic minimum rights, which is we need, you know, our families and our children and things need safe places to play. And they need wonderful environments where they can get out and, and be together. And I think we're going to see a huge continuing investment like land water conservation funds spending almost a billion dollars every year and acquiring new properties. I think you're going to see helping the public with spaces where they can go and be in nature, be in nature, because nature is a drug. I mean, it's a wonderful drug and, and it's good for your mental fitness. Just a walk in the woods, listening to the birds and listening to the wind, you know, just like that can just free your mind. And I, I think we're going to see society continue to really value open space, park and recreation, and people are going to want to live in places that have very, very positive 
park and recreation facilities for that community. You're going to start attracting professionals to live in environments where they have that opportunity to have that lifestyle that they know is healthy and that makes them feel good. Yes. I just bought a little house near the lake and it's making me think of that because I bought it because it feels good to live near the water. So that, that prediction is really resonating with me. Well, I, I'm wanting to to bring this discussion to a close, and I'm wondering if you had one piece of advice to share with brand marketers and communicators as we head into 2023, what would it be? Tom, let's start with you, and then Leslie will be over to you for the final word. My one thing to tell brand marketers would be simply just keep your play on, keep active, do things that make you feel good, be smart about it. But remember, it's really important that you continue to play throughout your whole life. It's not just work. You've got to keep playing. And you can make your work playful. And when you make your work playful, it's not work. It's fun. And fun is what we all love and aspire to do and to be. Heck yeah. I love that I started this episode off with this dreary rundown of the state of the world. And now I'm leaving it with this big smile on my face. So thanks for that, Tom. Leslie, do you have any final thoughts? Sure, sure. I always do, Ellen. Uh, it's hard. It is hard to to top that though, because I wholeheartedly agree with all of Tom's sentiments. He's taught me that throughout the last decade plus of our work together. So, a hundred percent agree. And my last final thought is, you know, when I look at all of these predictions, I think, you know, one big commonality is that they're about relationships, and we're in the business of relationships. That's really what the business of communications is. And so I think that as brands, as communicators, as people, we've all been forced over the last couple of years to really take a step back and kind of go back to the basics about what it means to have an authentic, joyful relationship with each other and with our day-to-day -day lives, our families, our friends, our coworkers, our colleagues. Um, and so as we look to the future, I think keeping that uh, importance and focus on our relationships and on authentically communicating around them is going to be a really important piece of how we move forward in a positive direction. Thank you guys both so much for this. Uh, I think it was a really lovely conversation. Thank you for allowing me to once again work with Red Havas and, and I'm just grateful. So thank you so much. Thank you, Tom. And thanks, Ellen, for your excellent moderation as always. Thank you for joining us for today's episode. You can subscribe to the show using your favorite podcasting app, you can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and more. And don't forget to rate and review today's show to let us know how we're doing. We hope you'll join us again for more of the latest communications insights and trends from the team at Red Havas.